Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, the Scott Horton Show. Hmm, yeah, man. It's uh, libertarian foreign policy mostly. Oh, man, this thing's up way too high. Sorry about that. I was on the Ernie show earlier, and he demanded that I turn my mic up. I accidentally left it too high. All right. Uh, why is this thing so far away? Come here, you. Oh, that's not good. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, save me. Uh... Uh, it's my show, the Scott Horton Show. I hate the government. Absolutely hate it. I hate everyone in it. I mean, not really. There's some nice little old ladies work down at the Social Security office or whatever, I guess. But basically, I think the entire project is illegitimate. And the worst things about it are the things that I oppose the most. Which I know is a pretty strange thing to do. Way to prioritize stuff, but... So that's my thing. The mass murder and the torture and all the lying and all the bankruptcy that goes with that. Uh, central banking and war. War and central banking. These are the things we talk about on the Scott Horton Show. I should talk about central banking more, I guess, sometimes. But Anyway, today on the show, uh, J.P. Sotilli is going to be on here to talk about Hillary Clinton. He's an interesting type, this J.P. Sotilli. Here's the thing about him. He's the news vandal, first of all. I like his attitude. Uh, right off the bat there. But then he's some kind of liberal or progressive, man. He ain't one of us. But you know what he is? He's libertarian aware. Huh? In other words, the best I can tell, he understands libertarianism and from a, like, hey, you know, a decent and, uh, you know, unprejudiced point of view. He, he is happy to learn whatever he can from us and doesn't have that typical liberal or progressive uh, prejudice that, oh, man, you like capitalism, so you're a terrible, evil person, and derp, 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 like, you know, salon.com style thinking, you know? There's none of that there. He's libertarian aware, and, you know, with all due respect, it seems like. Um, and uh, I really like his writing. He's very thorough. Uh, I think the last time I interviewed him, or maybe the time before that, it was all about the corporate interests of the American empire and, you know, their cronies in conquering Ukraine. The oil interests, the gas interests, the agribusiness interests, and the role that they have played in fomenting the coup and every kind of thing and fomenting the policy. And um, so anyway, yeah, in other words, he, he uh, takes a real good look at stuff. And this one is, and it, I think it's, you know, it's easy to get a right winger on to attack Hillary Clinton, but that's boring. I'd rather get a left winger on to attack her. And then, um, you know, as you'll see, he's the kind of guy, seems to me, like he, he prioritizes like I do. The worst things about her first. And so that's going to be good. And then the other thing is, I'm trying to get a hold of this guy who wrote the very best piece that I have seen so far about the horror of Bernie Sanders and just how bad he is on foreign policy. Last night I saw a libertarian type. He meant well. But he was saying, yeah, Sanders is kind of the Ron Paul of the left and this and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, he has an image like that. But really, I think he's, uh, he's a lot more two-faced. He tried to attack Hillary Clinton on Libya last night. And she said, oh, come on, you voted for it. You just voted for a thing that said get the United Nations to authorize it and whatever. Waved him off with a, you know... 
And it was, it was true. It was kind of a half truth, but it was true enough, man. Put him on the side of the war party. He was part of the consensus for the war, even if, as he was trying to, you know, do that congressional thing where they participate, but then deny their own responsibility. Hey, I just authorized you to choose. You're the one who chose, and this kind of, you know, garbage. But he's a lot worse than that. In fact, I think it's on antiwar.com today, isn't it? Ernesto's piece on Hillary? Where is it? I mean, on, on Bernie? Oh, no. Maybe it's going to be tomorrow. How is that Ernesto piece? I have it here somewhere. Anyway, it's great. Uh, Bernie hysteria and liberal hypocrisy. So um, I know how you all are. When you're picking on Bernie Sanders, that means you're pro-Hillary Clinton. When you're picking on Hillary Clinton, that means you're pro-Bernie Sanders. When you're picking on Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, that means you're pro-Donald Trump. When you're picking on Donald Trump, that means you're for the Jeb Bush, I guess, or... Vladimir Putin, or I don't know, whatever stupid little opposite games you people play. But no, I, as I introduce the show, I, I really hate them all equally. I oppose everything that they want to do, including collecting the taxes to do the things they want to do. I oppose the very existence of the U.S. government and the positions that these men are fighting over. So, there. But... As long as I'm going to smear Hillary, I'd like to smear uh, uh, Bernie on the same day. And by smear, I mean tell the plain, simple truth about them at the same time so that you can see that, wow, these Democrats really are a bunch of Republicans when it comes to slaughtering Arabs. What a bunch of Republicans they are. Why, it's almost as though the American people blew it when they had the chance twice in 2008 and 12 to elect Ron Paul, who would have abolished the empire, absolutely abolished the empire. They asked him, what are you going to do your first day in office? He said, I'm going to call the admirals and I'm going to tell them to sail home. I'm going to call the Air Force. I'm going to tell them to pack up the Marines and the Army and bring them home, and then that's it. Yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Your Great Recession would have been long over, too. Yeah, that's just me and my counterfactuals. I drag them along with me in a gigantic, heavy bag on my back. What could have been if only you people had listened? <laughs> yeah, or something. Anyway. All right, well, anyway, um, so yesterday after the show, I was thinking, man, that show sucked. Obviously, I didn't have any interviews. But then I spent three, what, three segments or even four? I think three segments I spent talking about the Bada Brigade and Iran's role in the Iraq War and how Bush aided and abetted them, but it was some nefarious things and it's still going on and the sectarian cleansing. And after the show, I thought, man, nobody even understood that. And who knows, other than the people who already know it so well that they didn't need me to tell them anyway. And eh, what a kind of, I don't know, eh, show... And then I look this morning, and here's the news. Exclusive, the Bada Brigade is fighting in Syria. You know, with Hezbollah and Assad and Russia against the CIA's backed Bin Ladenite terrorists. So, just like I've been telling you, America's fighting on the Iranian slash Bader side in Iraq this whole time, while they're fighting on the Bin Ladenite side 
against Iran's other allies, Assad and Hezbollah, who are also allies with Iraq. Iraq is now in the Shiite crescent, uh, not in the Sunni lines. And so uh, now, finally, the Iraqi side of this alliance has moved to help reinforce Hezbollah and uh, it's, it's not Hezbollah, it's Hezbollah, they told me. Hezbollah. Not they. Eric told me that because somebody told him that. But that makes sense because it's supposed to sound like Allah, right? Okay, I get it. Party of God. Okay. Anyway, Hezbollah. America is on the side of the Shiite Crescent Alliance, as the King of Jordan calls it. Iran, Iraq, or Baghdad down to Kuwait, Iraqi Shia Stan. Uh, Damascus and the, the Shiite-backed Ba'athist government there. And Hezbollah. And they're fighting for the Saudi axis with Israel and Turkey and Qatar to provide weapons and training for the bin Ladenite terrorists of the Al-Nusra Front and Arar al-Sham and the so-called FSA groups who were all just the same damn thing as Al-Nusra. And so it's just another little... You know, a flip over of a card, basically, to show you what's already been there all along. Oh, look, Badr fighting with Hezbollah in Syria. Who all side is America on? All sides. Hey, Al Scott here. If you've got a band, a business, a cause, or campaign, and you need stickers to help promote, check out thebumpersticker.com at thebumpersticker.com. They digitally print with solvent ink, so you get the photo quality results of digital with the strength and durability of old-style screen printing. I'm sure glad I sold the BumperSticker.com to Rick back when. He's made a hell of a great company out of it. And there are thousands of satisfied customers who agree with me, too. Let the BumperSticker.com help you get the word out. That's the BumperSticker.com at the BumperSticker.com. Hey, all Scott here. If you're like me, you need coffee. Lots of it. And you probably prefer it tastes good, too. Well, let me tell you about Darren's Coffee Company at DarrensCoffee.com. Darren Marion is a natural entrepreneur who decided to leave his corporate job and strike out on his own, making great coffee. And Darren's Coffee is now delivering right to your door. Darren gets his beans direct from farmers around the world. All specialty, premium grade, with no filler. Hey, the man just wants everyone to have a chance to taste this great coffee. DarrensCoffee.com. Use promo code SCOTT and you get free shipping. DarrensCoffee.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the show. So, yeah, I mean, what? For good or ill, this is the show where people talk about what the hell the Bottom Brigade is. Nobody else ever does, except maybe war propagandists who never give context because they're liars, because they have to lie, because the truth is fatal to the war party's argument, of course. Um, in fact, in Nancy's article... I have an invite to her, but I haven't heard back from her in a while. Sure would like to talk to her about this. Uh, Nancy Youssef, the great Nancy Youssef, writing at the Daily Beast, U.S. allies now fighting CIA-backed rebels. CIA-backed rebels here fight CIA-backed rebels there. Not long ago, U.S., and we're not talking about two different factions of bin Ladenites in Syria. We're talking about two, the two major sides of the regional sectarian conflict that George Bush started, that is raging right now. Um, but anyway, there's a line in here that says, oh yeah, the Bada Brigade, you know, they killed a bunch of American troops with EFPs back during the Iraq War. What are you talking about? And I thought, 
Nancy, you said, he says, they say, it says, bought a brigade. For one, targeted hundreds of American troops in Iraq with Iranian-provided, explosively formed projectile bombs. One of that war's deadliest weapons. Well, there's two lies baked into there. First of all, the EFPs were made in Iraq by Iraqis, which has proved a hundred times over. The whole first year of this show, that's basically all the show was about, was about, look, another report of another bomb factory found in a garage in Sadr City or in Najaf or in another Shiite-dominated area. Uh, usually a Mahdi army dominated area, the Iraqi nationalists among the Shiites, the least pro Iranian of the Shiite factions. And here's another garage with another copper core uh, IED. That's what an EFP is. It's just a explosively four means IED, but with a copper core, uh, for, uh, cutting through armor. And, uh, no one ever proved ever. That a single box full of these things ever came from Iran. Ever. They never proved it. Ever. On the contrary, it was proved over and over and over and over and over again that they were being made in Iraq by Iraqis. So, what in the hell? And then secondly... The Iraqi Shiite militias that were using those EFPs against the American forces in Iraq during 2007, especially, they were not the Bada Brigade. That was that was basically the breakoff groups of the Mahdi Army, and who, yeah, by then, you know, he Muqtada al-Sadr had uh, basically been pushed into alliance with Iran by America, even though he initially wanted to limit American and Iranian influence and have an alliance with the Sunnis uh, based on Iraqi nationalism. They wouldn't accept that, so they accused him of being pro-Iranian when it was the USA who was fighting for the Iranian factions, the Bada Brigade. And nobody, and you know what? I checked with a reporter that I know who knows everything about this before the show. I called him, and I said, tell me. Well, I'll tell you, it was Gareth. He knows everything about this. He debunked it back then. And he confirmed to me that, according to his memory, he didn't go look it up, but by memory, he agreed with me, neither of us had ever even heard the lie, the fake accusation, that the Bada Brigade were the ones of the Shiite militias who were targeting the United States with those EFPs, never mind where they were made. The Bada Brigade, yeah, they were the most Iranian-backed, but they were America's pets. They worked for Donald Rumsfeld. They were the guys with the power drills, torturing and murdering the Sunnis to death and cleansing them from the capital city of Baghdad, making it an 85% Shiite city. The U.S. Army is the Bada Brigade, was fighting in the service of the Bada Brigade, more than the other way around, in fact, because look who's in the catbird seat. Look who rules Baghdad, USA or Iran and their Bada Brigade. Yeah, exactly. The U.S. Army and the Air Force were their auxiliaries, helping them kick all the Sunnis out of Baghdad. Rather than the other way around. And um, so that's not even an old lie being brought back. This is a brand new lie in this article with Nancy Youssef's name on it. And I'm looking at this and saying, huh? But then I got to the bottom of the article and it says, 
with additional reporting by Michael Weiss. And then I says to myself, I says, oh, I get it. Michael Weiss went and vandalized. Huh, he's a news vandal. Huh, you see how fancy and sophisticated my brain is there? Michael Weiss went and wrote lies in the middle of Nancy Youssef's article. Uh, he is the world's worst jackass, this Michael Weiss. I mean, I just don't know where in the world they even found this guy. Um, but I really resent him, uh, destroying the great work of Nancy Youssef. And I'd be willing to bet dimes to dollars or dollars, yeah, dollars to dimes. My dollars, your dimes. That she didn't write that line. I know she knows better than that. And I know he's a damn liar. So, sorry to paraphrase my own damn tweet there, but yeah, she's a good reporter, dude. I've never seen her make a mistake like that, ever. So, just because he doesn't have a byline at the top, it does have him at the bottom. Michael Weiss went and added a couple lines of BS to this article, just so you know. So you don't hold it against Nancy. Okay, I won't then. I'll assume... That that's uh, his lie rather than her error. I like this tweet. This guy answered me. He says, the enemy of my enemy is my pawn's friend's enemy of my enemy. If in Syria, if in Iraq, reverse it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think now I finally understand. <laughs> it all makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, all right. So anyway, yeah, coming up here um, pretty soon. We're going to have um, uh, the news fan along talk about Hillary. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I meant to say I went on too long about the Botter thing. Uh, I got to get to this. There is a ceasefire plan now agreed upon by the U.S. and Russia. And I don't know who else agreed, but it doesn't really matter if the U.S. and Russia agreed. Right. And and Jason Ditz is reporting at news.antiwar.com. The plan comes in the wake of failed U.N. peace talks of the failed UN peace talks. So the rebels, so-called rebel groups, this, that, the other thing, um, made all these demands. It all fell apart. Well, apparently John Kerry was working with Lavrov, and they went ahead and settled this thing. Now, whether they really got all the Saudi and Arabian kings on board for this, whether they got the Turks on board for it, I don't know. Whether Obama is really willing to lean on them and say, yeah, no, really, I insist. Or whether he's not, I don't know. Um, I mean, what the hell? A handshake between Kerry and Lavrov. I mean, these are two huge powers here, but the ability they have to actually, you know, make their piece of paper and handshake equal uh, reality on the ground is very doubtful to me, really. The so-called moderates have a lot more in common with uh, Nusra and ISIS than they do with Assad's forces. So how is that supposed to work out, that they're going to join with him against them? You know what I mean? I guess we'll see. Hey, Al Scott Horton here. It's always safe to say that one should keep at least some of your savings in precious metals as a hedge against inflation. And if this economy ever does heat back up and the banks start expanding credit, rising prices could make metals a very profitable bet. Since 1977, Robertson Roberts Brokerage, Inc. has been helping people buy and sell gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And they do it well. They're fast, reliable, and trusted for more than 35 years. And they take Bitcoin. Call Robertson Roberts at 1-800-874-9760 or stop by rrbi.co. Hey, Al Scott Horton here. Are you a libertarian and or peacenik? Live in North America? 
If you want, you can hire me to come and give a speech to your group. I'm good on the terror war and intervention, civil liberty stuff, blaming Woodrow Wilson for everything bad in the world, Iran, central banking, political realignment, and, well, you know, everything. I can teach markets to liberals and peace to the right. Just watch me. Check out scotthorton.org slash speeches for some examples and email me, scott at scotthorton.org, for more information. See you there. All right, y'all. Welcome back. On the line, I got the news vandal. He vandalizes the news that is, uh, you know, explains what it is that they're not explaining in the news. Sometimes when he writes articles. <laughs> like this great one at consortiumnews.com. Hillary Clinton's pay for play reality. And the reason I said the crack about the articles there is because he also sends out a mess of news stories every morning in you know, the particular order of what he'd have you look at that I think is very valuable. Uh, the news vandal, you can sign up for that at his website, newsvandal.com. Follow him on Twitter at newsvandal. And then, uh, so yeah, man, but then also the article's great. And this one, and I really mean that because, uh, you really do cover your bases. You start writing an article and it's, I'm not saying you go on and on and on too long, but I'm saying you really make sure to, to, Nail down the points you're trying to make with with solid evidence and and uh, links to your sources in a way, <clears throat> pardon me, in a way that I think is uh, impressive and very useful. So, uh, yeah. Well, th- well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I really don't want to just offer an opinion and let it hang out there. It's really about data. It's about information. It's about facts. And you know, when it, when you think about vandalizing the news, really. Often what happens with news articles is that there is all kinds of disparate information out there that never gets collated, never coalesces into a cohesive uh, point. And that's one of the things that I like to do with my pieces. You know, just to be another opinion writer, it's it'd be great. I mean, it's fun and I do have opinions, but uh, I think it's really important to show people where the information is. And really, it comes down to one thing over and over and over again. If I write about the military-industrial complex, I write about the political-industrial complex, it's all about following the money. Of course. That's it. Right. I mean, it's, it's quite simple. This is one of the fascinating things about this um, writing this piece is, you know, it starts with Lloyd Blankfein, who went on Squawk Box uh, about a week ago, and that set off a whole thing where he said that this is a dangerous moment, you know, the, the Bernie Sanders campaign. Now, he didn't say Bernie Sanders specifically. He said another kid from Brooklyn. Uh, he said it's a dangerous moment because it could, you know, uh, because America is sort of teetering on the brink of of uh, targeting Wall Street. But really what he was talking about, he went on to say, and, you know, everybody picked up on the dangerous moment. But what he was really concerned with was the end of political compromise in Washington, D.C. And that's what got my attention, because when I think of compromise in Washington, D.C., I think of, well, don't we have this, you know, much ballyhooed gridlock and Republicans and Democrats don't come together? Ah, but they do come together on a couple of things. They come together on funding the military industrial complex reliably, and they also seem to come together on protecting and paving the way for Wall Street. And that's what I thought was fascinating because, for example, you know, we have this current, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call this election cycle. It's it's a cluster something. And if you look, I, when you look at the data from OpenSecrets.org, you have the securities and investment industries so far have given $17.2 million to Hillary Clinton, and they've given $34.5 million to Jeb Bush. So you have a lot of people who are into hedging their bets and hedge funds 
Well, that's really what the political system is, and it's that kind of compromise when you have one candidate who doesn't want Wall Street's money uh, seemingly leading the Democratic side, and you have another candidate who doesn't need their money leading on the other. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I always try to say is it's the moderate so-called, the bipartisan, mushy middle that they are the real extremists when it comes to the interests of the American people. I mean, when it comes to the wars, they're even the the radical revolutionaries. You know, if you look at Paul Wolfowitz and some of these guys want to the the Ladeen doctrine of create boiling cauldrons wherever you go and see what happens. <laughs> well, right. What was <laughs> that born of out of? That's born out of. They're called Scoop Jackson Democrats, but really it's born out of a, uh, a dem- the presidency of a Democrat, Woodrow Wilson, yeah. and the doctrines of Woodrow Wilson that sort of carried forward uh, all the way through into the '60s. And guys like Wolfowitz, who said that they were Democrats before they switched, well, it's formed this what we call neoconservatism but really there's sort of a neocon left and a neocon right there there are neocons on both sides and that's you know one of the things that i think uh makes hillary clinton so distasteful to a portion of her base and i think mm-hmm. scott this is a fascinating moment in in both parties because even though rand paul look he, you know poor rand Poor Rand. He, you know, you don't launch. Oh, he don't your get campaign. any sympathy here. But go I, ahead. But you don't launch your campaign as a libertarian alternative in front of a warship, for example. You just, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's, it's. He tried to ameliorate the moderate middle, right? This is, this is the problem. But inside the Republican Party, and I think one of the reasons why Donald Trump has gotten traction is because here you had a major Republican candidate criticizing the Iraq war over and over and over again. And on the other side, last night, Bernie Sanders going at Kissinger, that's the, the if you want to call it a, and was it a dog whistle, the, the not so subtle sign to the Democratic base that this is a break with Democratic neoconservative foreign policy ideas. Yeah. All right. So now um, on Hillary Clinton, She's kind of this, the perfect example, as you say, of this, this kind of moderate middle. But, you know, what I think is probably, you know, because most criticism of her by far comes from the right, and, right. you know, some of that would be justified and other of it is, you know, completely ridiculous and beside the point and all that. Um, and then there's partisan attacks on her on the left where it's pro Sanders types, uh, really sniping at her, but they're more likely than not to miss the point since they have their own conflict of interest in explaining the truth here. But I wonder what you think is, you know, could you, could you give us the highlights of which parts of her career you think that are most important for people to know in terms of the things she really did either, you know, as, uh, during uh, her husband's administration, if she had any influence there, like I know she, you know, argued for NAFTA and some bailouts and other things uh, publicly. But then, of course, she's been a senator since uh, 2001. She was a senator until 2009 and then uh, was secretary of state. So go ahead and enlighten the hell out of us, man, if you can. Well, yeah, there are there are a number of ways to go. You know, on this piece, I focused on. Goldman Sachs and the speaking fees, because that's the the hot topic right now. I have another piece that I am working on, um, and I guess I'll just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag a little bit. I'm going to be talking about the rise of big box Democrats. And what does that mean? Well, you know, after Dukakis lost 
that incredible campaign moment when Susan Estridge put him in a tank and he looked like a bobblehead. And, it, you know, that uh, also the Willie Horton ad uh, really sunk him. And there was a, a desire among Democrats, at least among the Democratic leadership uh, council, which Bill Clinton was running to shift toward a more business friendly approach. Well, one of the interesting things about the Clintons is they hail from Arkansas and the headquarters of Walmart is from Arkansas. And Hillary Clinton was on the board of Walmart before Bill Clinton became president. And interesting to note, you'll probably remember this because you, like me, are an, an old guy who's been following politics forever. In the lead up to the 99, 1992 election, one of the hot topics was actually Tiananmen Square and China, mm -hmm. because the then Bush administration, Poppy Bush's administration, after Tiananmen Square happened, actually sent, I think it was Brent Scowcroft over there to shake hands with the Chinese leadership. Of course, uh, Herbert Walker Bush, who's sort of the where's Waldo of post-war American foreign policy, was ambassador to China for a period of time during the Nixon administration um, before going to the CIA and onward. Um, this was a big issue, a bone of contention. And during that election, Bill Clinton promised he would he would um, uh, promote the human rights of the Chinese people and would not extend most favored nation trading status to the Chinese. Well, Hillary left Walmart. Bill got elected and Bill quickly changed his position. And guess what? MFN was a consistent policy throughout his uh, his presidency and who benefited most benefited most from that from the cheap labor of china walmart all right hold it right there we'll be right back with jp sotilli the news vandal newsvandal.com right after this hey i'll scott horton here for mpv engineering this isn't for all of you but for high-end contractors specializing in industrial construction and end users who own and operate industrial equipment mpv offers licensed professional consulting on chemical and mechanical engineering for your projects tanks pressure vessels piping heat exchangers hvac equipment chemical reactors for oil companies or manufacturing facilities as well as project management support and troubleshooting for those implementing designs mpv will get your industrial project up and running head over to mpvengineering.com hey i'll scott horton here to tell you about this great new ebook by longtime future freedom author scott mcpherson freedom and security the second amendment and the right to keep and bear arms this is the definitive principled case in favor of gun rights and against gun control. America is exceptional. Here the people come first, and we refuse to allow the state a monopoly on firearms. Our liberty depends on it. Get Scott McPherson's Freedom and Security, the Second Amendment and the Right to Keep and Bear Arms on Kindle at Amazon.com today. All right, kids, welcome back. I'm Scott. This is my show, Scott Horton Show, scotthorton.org, Liberty Radio Network, etc., etc., Twitter, and all that. Okay. Uh, consortiumnews.com is, uh, where I found this article here. Hillary Clinton's pay for play reality by JP Sotilli, the news vandal, newsvandal.com. Sign up for his morning email. It'll help you out. Seriously. He does the work. Make it easy on you. Uh, so the article is about how Blank Fine went on TV and said, oh my God, can you imagine if, uh, Sanders got up there? He's winger enough that he's, you know, outside the consensus enough that he might actually oppose a bailout or something like that. And we can't have that. And we're terrified. And so boy, do we support Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I think he was more or less saying there, uh, as though we didn't know that, but, uh, good, good politics. Uh, on his part, good, good self-awareness on his part coming out for Hillary <laughs> like that right now. 
Uh, just like John Kerry calling the Islamic State apostates. Oh, yeah, that's really a judgment call for you to make, Mr. Protestant. Anyway, um, but so anyway, uh, point being that uh, here you are uh, writing about Hillary Clinton and and her role in the economy, her role in in the Iron Triangle system that is the Imperial Court of Washington D.C. and and you mentioned Walmart and yeah. I I'd like to stick up for the libertarians here. Uh, we are all very much uh, against any restrictions on trade between people in foreign countries, but that does not necessarily mean we support any kind of fast track deal for Bill Clinton to approve any kind of shady deal that would certainly fall outside of what any libertarian would support. I mean, right off the but bat, the it Scott, includes all kinds Scott, of intellectual property and that. So we shouldn't conflate those things. I would be, no, Scott, we, Scott. we libertarians would be as opposed as you to those same deals is what I'm trying Wouldn't to say. Wouldn't you say that the, the issue is not that there is, that these are free trade deals is that these are actually sweetheart deals in which Absolutely. government intervention actually facilitates the movement of capital, the, the shifting of labor markets, that's really the problem with a lot of these deals. Is Absolutely. That there is a braid, as my co-host on my other show, which I'll be doing later today inside the headlines, like to say, there's a braid between government and business that happens. So, you know, I actually... I and that was no secret back then. I remember Bill Clinton saying, yes, we're doing, we're implementing all these programs to promote globalization. Like, we will subsidize your the cost of moving your company overseas. And if the locals come with pitchforks and torches and burn it down, we'll pay the cost of that. They had a whole thing. It was just like, um, you know, we'll guarantee your bank deposit, uh, right? But it was, we'll guarantee your overseas, the U.S. government will guarantee your overseas investments. And these kinds of things, they never even mind, of course, the Navy is providing free security at the average schmuck who lost his job's expense for all these companies to float all their goods back and forth all the time, uh, which is, is a, a you, huge cost. You saw that piece I wrote about uh, Mother Nature's invisible hand on, and the hydrocarbon economy. Right. If you, look at, if you look at the oil business, the hydrocarbon economy, as I like to call it, it's the most heavily subsidized uh, business in the history of mankind, and one of the biggest parts of that subsidy, that subsidization, is the U.S. defense budget. I mean, it, why why would the United States government put half a billion dollars into upgrading facilities for the Fifth Fleet in Bahrain? Is it because the American people have a special relationship with the Bahraini people, or is it because that's how you protect the uh, oil and gas industry's investments in the Middle East. It's you know it's very very simple to get and, back a, and to a good way to put it too. Not America's investment there, but particular interests at the expense right. of the rest of us. Yeah, that's right. Now back to Hillary. You know this whole you know moving on free trade. You know she, she obviously she supported NAFTA. You had her husband being against MFN and then for MFN by the end of his administration, he he is able to uh, put through push through permanent MFN status. Walmart then becomes basically the biggest private employer in America and pushes out all kinds of small businesses, mom and pop businesses they're often called. And I not ironically, or I guess not coincidentally is how I should say it, now you have Walmarts closing around the country and leaving communities totally decimated because their access to goods and services has now been destroyed by walmart which is now leaving so now where are they going to go shopping because all the mom and pop stores are gone that's sort of like the way this kind of crony 
capitalism kind of works. But another and of course, they steal all the land. They use the local governments to use eminent domain to give them free land. And then, of course, all the tax abatements and whatever. Oh, yeah. Where the, yeah. the excuse for the eminent domain is, but they're going to pay so much more property taxes. But then, no, they give them a sweetheart deal where, no, they don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're well, gone. I'll give you, let me give you another one. How about CAFTA? This is the... No, not excuse me, not CAFTA. I'm, I confuse CAFTA sometimes with the Colombian Free Trade Agreement. You had the Colombian Free Trade Agreement. I think it was signed in 2006, but it, it wasn't getting approved, and it was an issue in the 2008 campaign. Um, Hillary Clinton was against it, and then when she became Secretary of State, she was for it, and she helped catalyze its eventual approval. Well, interesting to note, there's a big Canadian uh, mining magnate named Frank Joustra, and Frank Joustra had a lot of mining interests in Colombia. And lo and behold, guess what? He's also given tens of millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation and likes to fly around on his private jet with Bill Clinton. You know, David Sirota over at the International Business Times did amazing work on this. And there's another example. You know, anytime there's an opportunity to to cut a deal or to pave the way for some corporate interests, whatever they might be, whether it's banking or otherwise, it seems that Hillary ends up on the other side of the issue from where she said she was initially. And this is one of those common triangulations that has made the Clinton name, the Clinton brand, very untrustworthy with a lot of voters. The untrustworthy numbers among Democratic voters in exit polling, particularly in New Hampshire, are striking, and I think a lot of it has to do with this general sense that people have that, eh, say one thing, do another. You know, ultimately, on all of these issues, and this is a point that I made in the piece, is that there really isn't an identifiable quid pro quo in Congress among Republicans and Democrats for all the money that's given to them. Really, the sad fact is, is people don't have to change their votes. They are simpatico from the get-go, and you can't say, well, X gave this uh, gave a million dollars to Y and Y changed votes as a result. They never have to change their votes because their votes are already uh, it, it baked into the cake before it ever starts. Yep, absolutely. In fact, her statement here that you quote is almost verbatim what Bill Clinton said in 1996 about uh, the Chinese government's investment in his reelection. Uh, when he said, I don't think you can find any evidence of the fact that I changed uh, any evidence of yeah. the fact That's that right. I changed any policy solely due to a campaign contribution, which so, is a very loyally thing. Yeah, he doesn't have is, any confidence in your yeah. journalistic skills. That's it. He made himself clear. That's that's all. And he was talking to NBC and whatever. So he was right. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, look, do you want to open up the whole uh, Bernie Schwartz and and Loral space and communication. Hell yes. Oh come! I mean, it, this is one of those things that just drives me up the wall. Particularly since we had North Korea just happen, right? And now we're going to get the missile defense there. Well, missile defense was dying on the vine before Bernie Schwartz went over to China with with Ron Brown, cut a deal to give the Chinese the gyroscopes that would allow their intercontinental ballistic missiles to finally actually cross the Pacific and hit the United States, which then all of a sudden became the predicate for refunding missile defense when missile defense was looked like it was going the way of the dodo. Yep, and in fact, they even gave James Riotti, the guy from the Lippo Bank, they gave his right-hand man the job in the Commerce Department of putting the stamp on the approval for the transfers after they stripped the authority away from defense and state and gave it to the Commerce Department. 
And so, look, this I mean, that is was, where, talk about direct quid pro quo. They didn't even have to do it that way, but they did. No. Yeah, yeah. And this is a consistent pattern. And look, we're picking on the Clintons on, on a sense because in a sense, because here she is, she's running and Bill's up on the stage with her and whatnot. This is both sides. This happens on both sides. There's no doubt. I mean, we can just we can go through both Bush administrations and we can find all kinds of examples. I mean, just just as you said, it's all baked into the whole thing. That's what Washington, D.C. is. It's an imperial court. Yep. Which it's is not a why, limited republic here. This is the empire, which is why. Trump and Sanders are getting the traction they're getting. I mean, no matter how distasteful uh, Sanders' socialism is or Trump's, I don't know what you would call it, <laughs> Trump's um, demagoguery against demagoguery the weak. Is, right. It's really, the essential uh, through line is that the American people are actually alive and kicking, and they're kicking back, and they're, and they're hitting back. They're finally – this is in many ways, I think, a referendum on – the financial crisis, which is one of the greatest ripoffs in human history, and uh, and the Iraq War, which is another, financially speaking, one of the great ripoffs in American history. Absolutely, yeah. And of course, you know the the powers that be were in a real tough spot too, where they're basically stuck, literally, with another Clinton and another Bush, which is just <laughs> really bad marketing at this point. Like we're tired, but that was really the best they had to put forward. So. They found themselves screwed up here a little bit. I still don't think Sanders stands a chance against her in the long run. But anyway, but, hey, uh, thanks very much, yeah. man. Sorry, we got to go. Take care. Uh, J.P. Sotilli, everybody, the News Vandal, ConsortiumNews.com. Hey, Al Scott Horton here to tell you about this great new book by Michael Swanson, The War State. In The War State, Swanson examines how Presidents Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy both expanded and fought to limit the rise of the new national security state after World War II. If this nation is ever to live up to its creed of liberty and prosperity for everyone, we are going to have to abolish the empire. Know your enemy. Get The War State by Michael Swanson. It's available at your local bookstore or at Amazon.com in Kindle or in paperback. Just click the book in the right margin at scotthorton.org or thewarstate.com. Hey, I'll check out the audiobook of Lou Rockwell's Fascism versus Capitalism, narrated by me, Scott Horton, at audible.com. It's a great collection of his essays and speeches on the important tradition of liberty. From medieval history to the Ron Paul Revolution, Rockwell blasts our status enemies, profiles our greatest libertarian heroes, and prescribes the path forward in the battle against Leviathan. Fascism versus Capitalism by Lou Rockwell for audiobook. Find it at Audible, Amazon, iTunes, or just click in the right margin of my website at scotthorton.org. All right, you guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Scott Horton. It's my show, Scott Horton Show. All right, so, uh, yeah, man, I got new servers, or at least they're in the mail. I know it's a real pain for everybody when the podcast feed quits working, sometimes for weeks at a time, and the archives are way behind the news and all this frustration. It hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, no, probably not. What do I care? No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, the thing is, I got new servers. Um, my guy that keeps the servers, he went and bought two new ones for 2500 bucks. We need one to back up the other and this and that kind of thing, right? So, and he got extra hard drives and all the bells and whistles so that it's badass so that we don't have these problems anymore. That's $2,500. So he said he's good for 500 bucks. Blam. That's two thousand. Then 
I took the Kickstarter money for the YouTube project, which I can't do until the server issue is resolved. So what the hell are you going to do? And I have an awesome YouTube volunteer who's going to do the YouTube project for free anyway. So blam, I took the, the Kickstarter money for the YouTube project and I'm putting that toward the server. And so that's, uh, right about almost $1,300. So that leaves us with, uh, us. Yeah. You and me with a $700 deficit, uh, to pay for those servers. But I got a guy who's willing to do some matching funds. So if you donate 10 bucks, he donates 10. If you donate 20, he donates 20. And if you donate 50, he donates 50. So that makes, uh, that's uh, that much more incentive for you to donate, right? That you'll get twice the bang for your buck. Buy one donation, get one free. So, uh, we only gotta raise 700 bucks. That seems pretty doable. You can help out. Just go to scotthorton.org slash donate to find out all about that. Let's see if we can raise the $700 real quick. It shouldn't take too long. Hell, y'all kicked into the Kickstarter for, uh, you know, $1,300, actually 15 but we, there's some shipping and handling costs for your kickbacks, and then there was the Kickstarter fees. Is why it's at 13 now, but it was high 14 something, I think, is what it was. So. Anyway, um, you guys kicked in for the Kickstarter for the YouTube project like magic. Uh, blew me away. Couldn't believe it uh, back a year ago. Well, I'm trying to get the damn thing finally done for you here. If anybody wants to uh, help push this the rest of the way and uh, get zeroed out on the cost of those new servers coming in. And then this whole thing about the outages and all that will just be a thing of the past. It'll be fine. So, sound good to you? Cool. Scarhorn.org slash donate. And another thing. I need new advertisers. I lost some advertisers. Hey, these things happen. Business is business. And, uh, but, so I need more. So, if you have, um, a business or a project or a group or anything that you'd like me to help promote, uh, I do have one new sponsor. It's going to be, uh, promoting an upcoming conference that you guys would be very interested to hear about. That's coming real soon here. And, um, Man, I owe that guy an email too. Damn. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, advertisements. Uh, you want to sponsor the show? Let me know. I'm Scott ScottHorton.org. And then that way I won't have to waste the show hectoring people for donations for stuff and stuff. All right, cool. Let's talk about cops killing people. Uh, uh, and this one, well, I guess first was uh, four cops beat pregnant woman on her stomach during false arrest, causing miscarriage in Staten Island, New York. She's suing them. This is at the freethoughtproject.com, the freethoughtproject.com. And it doesn't mention why they went to her home, but uh, she asserts she told the officer she was pregnant before they, quote, forcibly grabbed her and arrested her without any legal justification. And, of course, you know, anything other than passed out, drunk, limp counts as resisting. And so they beat her. After striking her in the stomach, officers reportedly threw her to the ground before stomping on her. Arrested on felony and misdemeanor charges of assault. 
and misdemeanor counts of resisting arrest and obstructing governmental administration. Jesus Christ. What is this? East Germany or something? Oh, and lesser counts of harassment. Oh, she was harassing the poor police officers. Is that it? She was incarcerated for 26 hours and later miscarried her baby as the result of the injuries she sustained at the hands of the police. Well, I presume that they are guilty and that, of course, she was innocent when they attacked her. Who are these predators? A sign in the name of being our security force. Who thinks of the cops as the security force? I don't. Um, Sanders is horrible on a million things, and I don't think he could possibly win, and I don't think if he was president he would possibly even try to do it. But I did like what he said. There's my disclaimers. I do like what he said in the debate about we need to absolutely demilitarize the cops and just call this entire thing off. It's crazy. Because he wants to shore up respect for the state. And he fears that, you know, brand state, USA, the United State of America, is looking more and more illegitimate to the people they're supposedly sworn to protect. Where's the confidence gone? Well, uh, it died with this fetus that they stomped out of this woman. Uh, who among you thinks that there's a 1% chance even? that this woman was some kind of aggressive threat to these four cops that they had to throw her on the ground and stomp her and beat her. And who doubts that they did? And who doubts that that's the reason that she had a miscarriage? I say they're guilty. I say put them up on the gallows with a rope and then give them 45 seconds to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt why they're not I mean, assuming that the doctor testifies that, you know, the actual facts of the case. If if anybody could substantiate the date, the time, the bruises, the miscarriage, then that's it. Off with their heads. But that's crazy, right? These are our betters. These are our overlords. No matter how many of our neighbors' children they murder. Hey, look, you got to understand, these cops... They were having fun. They wanted to beat up this lady, and so they did. And so screw you. That's their prerogative. They can beat up the lady if they feel like it. And if she dies or her baby dies later or whatever, so what's it to you? They own us. They can do what they want with us, right? What's even in question here? They can kill whoever you love, too. That's the social contract. A badge of the pretended security force is a license to murder whoever you feel like and never, ever be held accountable. Oh, except for once every decade or something, just to prove the point that they are never held accountable. A friend was tweeting me that, you know, the Guardian's keeping track now because no one else will. Oh, the Washington Post is working on it too. But somebody tweeted me the thing yesterday. There's only been one day this year, I think he said, or one day in January, that a cop didn't kill someone. Oh, yeah, it's only the 12th, and he said in the last 17 days. There's been one day this year, so far in 2016, that the USA cops didn't shoot somebody to death. At least one person. Every single day. 
I mean, come on. You live in this world. You really think your neighbors are that bad of people? We're all just such criminals. This woman, Sandra, whatever it is, uh, she was a threat enough to these cops that they had no choice to do what they did. Come on. Freethoughtproject.com. Boy, they'll break your heart over there, man. I'll tell you what. Four cops beat pregnant woman, murder her fetus. Hey, I'll Scott Horton here for Liberty.me, the great libertarian social network. They've got all the social media bells and whistles. Plus, you get your own publishing site, and there are classes, shows, books, and resources of all kinds. And I host two shows on Liberty.me. I on the Empire with Liberty.me's Chief Liberty Officer Jeffrey Tucker every other Tuesday. And The Future of Freedom with FFF founder and president Jacob Hornberger every Thursday night, both at 8 Eastern. When you sign up, add me as a friend on there. ScottHorton.Liberty.me. Be free. Liberty.me. You hate government? One of them libertarian types? Or maybe you just can't stand the president, gun grabbers, or warmongers? Me too. That's why I invented LibertyStickers.com. Well, Rick owns it now, and I didn't make up all of them, but still, if you're driving around and want to tell everyone else how wrong their politics are, there's only one place to go. LibertyStickers.com has got your bumper covered. Left, right, libertarian, empire, police, state, founders, quote, central banking. Yes, bumper stickers about central banking. Lots of them. And, well, everything that matters. LibertyStickers.com. Everyone else's stickers suck. Hey, man, I'm Scott. Welcome back. I miss Bob Dreyfus, man. I wish he was still writing. Not Richard Dreyfus, the actor. Bob Dreyfus, the former LaRoucheite turned, yeah, Democrat, who wrote great stuff, man, especially for the nation, some stuff for Mother Jones, but... His coverage of the Iraq war and who's who and which factions got what interests in mind and things going on here. Brilliant analysis, man. For years and years and years and years and years. I guess he's off doing other things now, but, uh, anyway, kind of wish he was around to help crack jokes about the irony of all the different positions of the U.S. government in the wars now, but, you know, like I would want to ask him, the Saudis aren't really sending troops to Syria to fight anybody, never mind ISIS, right? Do they even have troops other than an internal security force? Supposedly, maybe they did have a little bit of one, but they're really going to fuel an army? They haven't sent it to Yemen yet. They've been bombing Yemen for almost a year now. And uh, they haven't invaded with an army. They, I guess UAE sent some tanks and some guys, special forces types. Where there's no infantry invasion of Yemen, I don't think. Unless you count Al-Qaeda. <laughs> but they were already there. Um, so, anyway, I mean, that whole thing is a bluff, but I don't even know what the point is. Are they going to scare Russia? <laughs> Are they going to scare the U.S.? Um, but anyway, I don't know. And supposedly they're trying to lure Obama into joining a coalition. That like, yeah, we'll send our guys and you embed your special forces to lead them and this and that. Just like, I mean, that's what the the U.S. has been calling for, for Arab boots on the ground to go and do the job. But does anyone believe they'd fall through on that promise? What am I missing here? That doesn't even sound like a believable bluff to me at all. But what do I know? I don't know. Um... 
CIA director says ISIS has used chemical weapons, can make more. I guess no irony needs to be noted there. That you got terrorists in the country that used to be Iraq making chemical weapons. Hmm, if only Uday and Kusei were here. I know, you could have cracked that one yourself, right? And then, um, I know, I'm lazy. I'm just going down the list on antiwar.com's front page right now. I got more. I'm still trying to get Ramsey Baroud on the show to talk about Palestine this week, but West Coast people, they're all so hard to get a hold of. Oh, I know what I was looking for down here, man, was the draft registration. So there's a proposal to include young ladies, 18-year-old girls, in draft registration. You know, equal opportunity to be forced to kill people and or get maimed and or killed. Huh? Wow. Equality. How progressive to force girls to register for the draft. Well, so there's been a reaction to that in Congress. Oh, yeah, we're just going to abolish selective service altogether. We're not going to have a draft anyway. Give me a break. But so let's just get rid of it. A bipartisan group of four congressmen have introduced a new bill aiming to preempt efforts to expand the Selective Service program by ending it outright on the grounds it is an outdated waste of money. Selective Service requires all U.S. men at age 18 to register for the military draft, even though no actual draft has occurred since 73. A rival bill from Reps Duncan Hunter and Ryan Zink. Zinke? Aims to extend the registration to include women in the name of Fairness. Yes, of course. And so uh, Rep. Mike Kaufman has been leading the call to end the program for a long time now, insisting that not only has there been no draft in 40 years, but that the Pentagon has never even considered a shift away from the all-volunteer military back toward the use of conscripts. Yeah, they just had the Federal Reserve print some money and pay whatever mercenaries they can hire. It'll be fine. Fellow author Representative Pete DeFazio noted ending the program would save tax money and remove an undue burden on Americans to register. Dana Rohrabacher's for it, too. Another of the bill's authors added that conscription was not consistent with Americans' tradition of freedom and liberty. And, uh, of course, as Daniel Webster pointed out long ago, it's not authorized by the U.S. Constitution either. And so... And so, uh, but Jason Ditz continues here, uh, conscription on a limited basis was used during the Civil War by both sides. The first massive use of the draft in the U.S. was World War I, when the wildly unpopular war attracted almost no volunteers. Americans were also conscripted during World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. There's a great quote of Woodrow Wilson saying, no, but see, here's what happened. The American people all volunteered as one. Ha, 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 you don't really exist. You're just a figment of everybody else's imagination, and they can volunteer you for whatever they want. How do you like that? That's called liberalism. Learn to worship it. So, anyway, um, I don't know, man. Um, a lot of people think that the draft is some kind of honorable thing or some kind of thing. 
But, uh, you know, you hear anti-war people from time to time imply that, geez, if only we had conscription, we wouldn't have this world empire. But it seems to me like, yeah, that doesn't really sound like good economics there, man. Give the Pentagon an endless supply of cannon fodder out of a population of 300 million people. Uh, and that's going to limit their ability to wage war and occupy places. Oh, because if you get enough rich kids over there, their moms will cry about it enough that finally that'll make the difference years later. And somehow that's a justification to enslave whatever untold hundreds of thousands or however many people to a policy. Anti-war people promote this constantly. You see it. Well, you never see it at antiwar.com, but you see it a lot. Yeah, it was the draft that ended the Vietnam War. Really? Because they had the draft all along through the whole Vietnam War. Well, yeah, but they changed the rules to where even, you know, college boys had to go now and that kind of thing. Yeah, and then it still went for another four years after that. And meanwhile, enslaved American conscripts were having their lives blown apart. What the hell is that? All this social engineering. Like, you're the only real person in the world, and everyone else is just kind of make-pretend for you to do whatever you want with. Yeah, again, the social contract. This is what we all agree on. <laughs> that everyone is enslaved to everyone else. <laughs> for whatever whim. Huh? I don't... Well, see, it doesn't sound so logical when you reason it out like that, but you gotta, you gotta just feel it and know it, you know? Get the American people to all volunteer together, including now their daughters and their sisters and their granddaughters. Hey, it might help end the war by sending your daughter to war. How do you like that? You buying that? Hey, all Scott Horton here for WallStreetWindow.com. Mike Swanson knows his stuff. He made a killing running his own hedge fund and always gets out of the stock market before the government-generated bubbles pop, which is, by the way, what he's doing right now, selling all his stocks and betting on gold and commodities. Sign up at WallStreetWindow.com and get real-time updates from Mike on all his market moves. It's hard to know how to protect your savings and earn a good return in an economy like this. Mike Swanson can help. Follow along on paper and see for yourself. WallStreetWindow.com All right, you guys. Well, man, I'm really upset, terribly emotionally distraught over the fact that I wasn't able to get uh, Chris Ernesto on the show. I wanted to interview this guy about this article that he wrote about Bernie Sanders. That way we have, you know, one interview trashing Hillary and another interview trashing Sanders. And get to, uh, is it worth even spending a moment trashing Rubio, for God's sake? Uh, let me get back to bashing Trump, who's, I guess... Sure seems like he's got the nomination locked up. Although, there are dirty tricks and parliamentary procedures that could be played, and I don't know. But anyway. I really liked Ernesto's piece. It'll be running on antiwar.com over the weekend. Unless maybe we'll save it till Monday, but I think it'll run over the weekend. Um, but it's really good, and, and it's about how Bernie is really bad. He's worse than you think on a lot of these foreign policy issues. Uh, people just kind of assume that, well, you know, socialist people to the left of even the progressives are, you know, typically much better on war, right? Yeah, he's a little bit better. 
he's better like Ted Cruz is better than Lindsey Graham. <laughs> if you could take that, I don't know which bank you could take that to. Maybe to Goldman Sachs, but I'm not sure where else. Um, yeah. No, he's worse than you think, but I don't want to spoil it. I want to interview the guy for you. I want you to read his article. But if you saw the the debate last night, you could tell he's pretty bad. Now, Hillary Clinton, she casts a dark shadow, so he could seem, you know, like maybe a source of reason in comparison. But don't get caught up in that kind of mind frame. You know, compared to the corpse that he's avowed to leave in his wake as commander-in-chief, then, yeah, no, he's pure evil. Uh, he's really, really bad. So anyway, read Chris Ernesto on antiwar.com over the weekend as far as uh, all that goes. But at least I could talk about it in terms of the debate last night, if you saw the debate last night. Um, he was slightly, I mentioned this earlier, he was, you know, he tried to call her out a little bit on Libya, but then she goes, oh, come on, you voted for a thing calling for the UN to do something about it. So that's the same thing. And he kind of went, meh, he didn't really have an answer to that. She's right. He was half-assed against that war and half-assed for it, too. And um, and so she nailed him on that. And then when it came to Syria, man, she's going on and on this nonsense about a safe zone and a no-fly zone and all this invasion intervention she wants to do. I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, think about what would have happened if you had had, instead of Gwen Eiffel and Judy Woodruff idiots up there, if you had had anyone who knows anything and been the slightest bit willing to tangle about that. Lady, you're saying invade Syria, where the U.S. Army has not been invited by the sovereign government there, to invade and conquer a piece of territory there, simply in the name of protecting civilians, huh? But what about... Hezbollah, and what about al-Nusra, and what about the Turks and their interests, and what all's going on here, and you're crazy. What in the world are you talking about? In what fantasy land is this supposed to work just like you want it to work, you freaking lunatic? Never even mind that Sanders could have called her out and completely slammed her. Sanders goes... Well, you know, he really hummed and hawed and stumbled his answer. Well, you know, um, er, uh, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. It's true that Hillary and I are opposed. Assad, very, very bad. Assad, bad. You know, Cuba. Cuba is a place where, as Jesse Walker put it on Twitter, the one place I'm for free trade is with Cuba. Uh, but not, not with anybody else. <laughs> And then he just, he didn't even answer. And he could have just slammed the hell out of her, and he didn't have to accuse her of high treason. But he could have said, hey, you know, Secretary of State herself in 2012 warned that intervening against Assad was helping create space for these Al-Qaeda guys. You can check the tape. Scott Horton plays it on a show every day. The top of the first hour. And, um, you know, whatever... Something along those lines. He could have made it a little more gentle than that. Hey, the result of intervention there has been this, and I said don't. And instead he didn't. I mean, talk about a pulled punch. He could have knocked her right out with just a tap on that one. Again, he could have dumbed it way down and still made her look really bad. Talk about not learning the lessons of Iraq. She did it in Libya, and then she did it in Syria, too. 
Look at the mess in Syria. Because Hillary got with, remember, the friends of Syria and all this? She got with all our allies to try to set up a new government and to do a regime change there. She failed all through 2011 and 12 to do anything except eventually create the space for the Islamic Caliphate. Gee, damn it. Huh? Boy, man, come on. Huh? Anyone? And Sanders goes, oh, yeah, Cuba this, Cuba that. When, wouldn't he trying to get out from under the brand of he's just a communist? I mean, I'm all for relations with Cuba, but I'm just saying as far as his diversionary soundbite, rather than tell the truth about Hillary and Syria, he goes to... Did I ever tell you how much I like Fidel Castro <laughs> or, you know, whatever caricature that he's supposed to fit right into, according to all the conservatives? And correctly, I would add, you know. Um. Anyway, what a disaster there, that pulled punch on Syria. Just goes to show, uh, you know, where his heart is. So he got nowhere on Libya. And then, of course, if they had to talk about Israel-Palestine, he would probably come out seeming like the more reasonable type. Wouldn't that be funny if politics was honest enough at all for Gwen Eiffel to say to Hillary Clinton, all right, Hillary Clinton, your husband and Madeleine Albright couldn't get it done. George W. Bush and Condoleezza Rice couldn't get it done. Barack Obama and you and John Kerry couldn't get it done. And yet you all keep saying that the future of the human beings of Palestine is that one day they will have their own state when all of humanity knows the undeniable, not even in denial fact that no one disputes that the Israelis are colonizing the West Bank and they're carving it up and building giant walls across it. And they claim a security zone that's two thirds of the entire land. And they're continually depriving the people of Palestine of their life and liberty and property under a foreign occupation, uh, not even martial law. Remember, uh, uh, Todd Pierce explained on the show, it's not even martial law, it's war law. It's, it's a whole other degree of occupation worse than martial law, of lawlessness beyond the lawlessness of martial law that the human beings, men, women, and children of Palestine suffer under. So what are you really going to do about it except a bunch of talk, lady? Huh? What are you going to do? Because it would have been fun to hear her answer. It would probably be, well, you know what? We're just going to round up the Palestinians and ship them all to Jordan. The ones who, you know, don't die on the trail of tears on the way. Right? Isn't that what you expect, would expect her to say if she had to admit the truth? Everybody says they're going to negotiate this thing, but they're not. The Prime Minister of Israel, for life apparently, Netanyahu, says, Give me a break. Israel will rule all the land from the river to the sea forever. The Palestinians might not even, might as well not even exist according to the doctrines of the Likud party. Give us a break. You're going to thwart that? You're going to demand that the Israeli government get the settlers out of the West Bank? And if you're not going to demand that, then how do you say you're for a two-state solution? Because apparently 7 billion humans agree that you're a liar. At least pick one lie that isn't in complete contradiction to the other lie you continue to claim. And then they could add, you piece of garbage. 
But yeah, no, nah, they never do ask questions like that, unfortunately. You know, Bernie Sanders is horrible on Palestine, too. He was never, um, I don't think, quite as bad as Hillary, but he's pretty damn bad. And he didn't personally have the chance that she did as Secretary of State to do something about it, to blow, not yet. But he was horrible in 2014, no doubt about that, man. And the slaughter in Gaza. Hey, all Scott here for Samurai Tech Academy at MasterSamuraiTech.com. Modern appliance repair requires true technicians who can troubleshoot their high-tech electronics. If you're young and looking to make some real money, or you've been at it a while and just need to keep your skills up to date, Samurai Tech Academy teaches it all. And they'll also show you the business, how to own and run your own. Take a free sample course to see how easily you can learn appliance repair from MasterSamuraiTech.com. Use coupon code Scott Horton for 10% off any course or set of courses at MasterSamuraiTech.com. All right, kids, welcome back to this. Finish up the show here. Let me say real quick, I thought it was important. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy over the name Kissinger, because obviously that's memorable enough that TV anchors know who you mean when you say that word or something. So, huh? huh? Came up in the last debate that Hillary said, yeah, Henry Kissinger says I was a great secretary of state. And Sanders didn't really say anything then, but in the debate last night, he brought it back up again and says, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I won't be taking orders from Henry Kissinger like you. And then he went on to explain that Henry Kissinger caused communism in Cambodia. He was the domino theory in the name of stopping the dominoes from falling. He kicked one right over. He destroyed Cambodia, bombed it to pieces completely destabilized and delegitimized the princeling sock puppet dictatorship there and helped to radicalize uh, the Khmer Rouge. And eh, I'm not the master on this subject, but the best I understand, helped create an alliance between the Khmer Rouge and the Viet Cong because they were being bombed by the same planes all the time. And so the VC said, hey, here's some rifles and here's some training and made the Khmer Rouge a force to be reckoned with. They ended up coming down to Phnom Penh, creating one of history's greatest dystopias. They killed three million people. And if you don't know the history of Pol Pot and Cambodia and Year Zero and all of this stuff, man, uh, boy, I'll tell you. And I know what you're saying. But Ronald Reagan thought he was great and was an ally and armed him and funded him. Scott, so he must have been great. And no, that's, yeah, that's another example of Ronald Reagan not being great, see? You got it switched around. And yes, it's true. In fact, I think Carter had an alliance with, uh, with Pol Pot as well, because what had happened was the, the Vietnamese communists, obviously led by the victorious North, uh, they invaded Cambodia in what Noam Chomsky calls the only humanitarian in, invasion intervention in world history that he could ever think of where literally one country invaded the other. The communist country of Vietnam invaded the communist country of Cambodia to depose Pol Pot just to stop the bloodshed and, of course, the refugee crisis that was uh, affecting them. Uh, and so who does America hate more? Pol Pot, the worst war criminal since Hitler, or, well, you know, trying to tie Mao Zedong, I should say, you know, for most innocent civilians murdered. Um, you know, this, this demon straight out of hell or Ho Chi Minh's regime. I think Ho might have even been dead by then. 
whoever was running Ho's regime by then that had whooped America's ass in front of everybody. Obviously, the latter were the worst enemies, so America sided with Pol Pot. But anyway, I'm off, to- I'm off topic. I just like uh, bringing up the relevant history there if I can. But the point is that Bernie Sanders, in a major Democratic, uh, a major party debate for president of the United States last night, told the true history of how the USA, not Henry Kissinger, the USA government, Nixon and Kissinger, and their policies, and the men and women in the national security state who carried it, their policies out, they got three million humans killed. Go put uh, Cambodia skulls in your Google images. I'll be less for you right there. Of course, there's the movie The Killing Fields and all that. If you can't read. But anyway, um, so man, I thought that was really great that he said that. Now, he could have gone ahead and said Kissinger, of course, also was guilty of high treason. He and Richard Nixon in 1968 when they sent Anna Chenault to undermine the peace talks that LBJ had going with the North Vietnamese by ratting them out to the South and getting the South Vietnamese government to object in a way that scotched the talks. And LBJ, I believe, is on tape uh, even discussing it with a senator friend of his, a Republican senator friend of his, I believe, saying it's treason. But what am I going to do? And Kissinger and Nixon had no official office whatsoever at the time. They were just private citizens. Um, absolutely. And he could have mentioned, of course, the, the green light under Gerald Ford, the green light to the dictatorship in Indonesia to uh, invade East Timor and destroy the population of East Timor. That was hundreds of thousands of people killed there. Uh, he was uh, complicit in the genocide in Bangladesh in, was that 68 or, no, it would have been later than that. I don't know when it was, early 70s or mid-70s. But anyway, um, and of course, uh, as Barry Lando, I think, uh, most recently emphasized on the show, Henry Kissinger called George Bush a wobbly little bitch, just like... Um, Margaret Thatcher did, uh, the first George Bush back in 1990. You must stand up to Saddam. You must prove that America is the man. You must do this. You can't not do it. And that was a huge part of the causation of the first Gulf War and the beginning of, uh, one of America's many Vietnams, the 25 year now war against the people of Iraq. Can you imagine that? What if in 1990 when they said, come on everybody, tie on your yellow ribbon, we're going to go save the day to protect a poor little Kuwaiti monarchy from Saddam Hussein, our agent, who we told go ahead and invade them a couple of weeks ago. And then when you were saying, yeah, and then what if they had said, and we're going to bomb them nonstop for the next 25 years. Okay, we'll pause for a little bit in 2012 and 13. But other than that, we're going to bomb them for 25 years straight. I guess, would you still click your heels and tied on your little yellow ribbon and cheered along with the USA and this and that? We must restore the monarchy in Kuwait. No one explained to me why we must, but we must because the poor little guys... You know, I saw a picture of a map on TV, and Kuwait is a smaller country than Iraq. And so, poor little guys, 
We better go and save them because we're USA. Remember that time we saved France from the Nazis? Yeah. Come on, everyone. <laughs> millions killed since then. Millions, literally millions of humans destroyed. On a Pol Pot level. Uh, almost, anyway. Between two and three. By the United States of America. And not directly, but, yeah, pretty close. Famine and deprivation counts when we're counting communist corpses. Doesn't it? Anyway, I was going to play this clip for you, but now I talked way too long about it, man. I started going off on Henry Kissinger, trying to think of more things I know about that guy that I hate. But anyway, yeah, he's a horrible son of a bitch. And, and yes, does it prove something about Hillary Clinton that she has no idea? She's completely tone deaf to the premise that if she said Henry Kissinger says I'm smart, that anyone would say, whoa, you're bragging about that? As far as she knows, that's great. She didn't have a single bit of dissonance in her head that tells her, oh, wait a minute. Actually, these are liberals who, at least when Republicans are in charge, tell themselves that they care about human rights and so would be opposed to Henry Kissinger mass murdering people. I better be careful what I say. Because he was a Republican when he mass murdered those people, you know. But nope, she just comes right out. But anyway, so she set up a great opening, and Bernie Sanders told a real history that um, he could have said a lot more, but still, I think that was pretty great. And then he turned right around and said, what foreign leader do you admire the most? And he said Churchill for defeating Hitler, which, okay, I mean, the guy's a Polish Jew, and obviously Hitler is Hitler, and Churchill helped to beat him. You know, like, uh... Okay, but he's also the patron saint of the most brutal colonialism in the world. All throughout the world. Um, and of course, you don't have to agree with it completely, but you gotta admit, man, there's a huge amount of truth in Pat Buchanan's premise that if, uh, Chamberlain had not gone along with Churchill's wishes and given the war guarantee to Poland, it wouldn't have even been a world war. I mean, China would have still fought Japan and all that, but Hitler would have been at war with Stalin in Poland and in Eastern Europe and would not have turned and attacked France or whatever, not until later anyway. But uh, his entire energy was directed east. And I'm not saying that. It's great. 27, 27 million Russians died in that war and a hell of a lot of other people too and a whole Holocaust and everything else. Um, however, it was a result of the war that Churchill and the English helped cause by giving the war guarantee to Poland that they had no ability to live up to and enforce to protect the Poles. They just got them all killed and destroyed everything for everyone and handed Europe over to the communists who were just about as bad as the Nazis anyway. So in other words, yeah, Bernie Sanders is a kook. Yeah. Okay. Out of time. Got to go. Bye.